Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Buried under your paperwork, tired of searching for your computer files, is clutter getting you discouraged? It's time for eliminating your chaos. Today on episode 45 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Laura Leist. Laura is truly an expert in helping clients get their lives organized, whether it be digital system making, setting up your office, or productivity must-dos. All so vital as you progress in your personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. I wouldn't consider myself a neat Nick, but I definitely like my surfaces clean. I spend a little time each day moving things around the house to their quote-unquote homes, and I sometimes fall victim to the saying, if you don't make a place, you'll make a pile. I just use my top drawer as my paperwork inbox just to get it off my desk, and then I calendar deal with paperwork in my week to address those papers. But enough about me. What about you? If you have efficient systems for the mundane tasks of life, And if you set up your work and home spaces for stress-free living, imagine how your energy can flow toward what you love to do most, uninhibited by avoidable hassles. My guest today is Laura Leist. Here's a little bit about Laura. She is the go-to source for productivity solutions and sustainable organization. She helps high-performing people enhance their productivity and organize their lives. She's mastered these techniques through an education and management information systems and trading chaos for productivity for professionals and executives. Laura's strategies are a combination of her years in business process consulting and project management. And she's crafted strategies down to a science, but makes them accessible and flexible enough to be customized to any situation. Yes, even yours. Laura is considered a thought leader in the organizing and productivity industry, having coined digital organizing in 2001. And when Laura works with you, her promise is to make it easy, make it make sense, and make it work. She creates a work life that works for you via coaching, consulting, speaking, and training. Laura and her husband, Rob, were married on the well-ordered date of 9-10-11 in Maui, their favorite place to travel. And she and Rob's children have four paws, and they're building a vacation home in eastern Washington, wine country, where their vineyard grows grapes. And that's not too far from where I live. Laura knows from experience that it's treasured moments that matter most in life and not the stuff. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Good to be here, Paul. Well, you wear a lot of hats, Laura, in your pursuit of helping your clients I know one of those roles is as a virtual presenter. Which specific topic in your expertise is the most requested to speak toward? And you know, what are a few main solutions you offer in that talk? Well, there's actually a couple that are the most widely requested. And one of those is my talk on how to be more productive with Microsoft Outlook. I think that uh, people get buried in emails these days and Mm -hmm. we don't get too much of it (laughs) and 
<laughs> it's not always about how to organize the inbox or how to deal with the volume, but a lot of tips and tricks that can save people time that they are not aware of. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Well, well, for example, this week I did a presentation for uh, one of the NSA SIGs, so National Speakers Association SIGs, and sometimes I tend to forget because I use these things day in and day out, what other people don't know mm-hmm. until someone tells me right out of the gate that the very first thing I told them to do is a lifesaver and will save them so much time. So I'll give you a couple of examples of those things. Uh, the first thing that I covered was an email template. And an email template, a lot of people will put email into a a draft email and then they'll copy and paste it or accidentally send it out. (laughs) And then that draft is gone and they've got to dig it out of their sent file (laughs) or they put that text into a Word document and then they have to search for where that Word document is. And because I was doing this training and I could see everyone's faces, I can see that this is, it's a pain point. Like this is, this is real, you know, the struggle is real. (laughs) And, And so after I got done demonstrating, like, let me show you first what an email template looks like and how you might use it in your business. But then I show them how easy it is to create that, template and how I can customize their toolbar to give them like two clicks in order to get to those email templates. And I remember Denise saying, oh my gosh, this will change everything for me. I can see so many uses for this. So that was great. And then the next one, I won't go through everything that I did, but the next one, I think everybody can relate to this. You get an email from someone or maybe you send an email from someone or to someone and they respond back and they'll say, you know, see my comments in line, see my comments in red, see my comments in blue, see my comments Mm -hmm. in whatever shade of the rainbow we're now working off of. (laughs) But all we have to do in Outlook is go to your settings in mail and check one box that says preface comments with. And you put in that text box how you want your comments to read. So, for example, mine says Laura Leist dash eliminate chaos. Now, here's what happens. We, we change that setting one time. And then in the future, when I receive an email, in fact, I did this to you, Paul, with <laughs> the questions that you sent me for the podcast. All I did is I responded to that email And I dropped down into the body of the text where those questions were, and I pressed my space bar. And the minute I pressed my space bar, it automatically says, Laura Leist, dash, eliminate chaos. And then I start typing where I'm responding to that comment or that question, or I'm asking another question. And so the reason I like this is that if people would use that utility, the great thing is is that it's really easy to see. You don't have to change the colors. You 
you just see where somebody is commenting. And sometimes it's easier and quicker to comment right in that initial email than to try and and respond up above where maybe you're like missing parts or it's not clear or something like that. So so everyone was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's so easy. It, it takes you a minute to go in and change your Outlook setting and that's set for the future. So just those are like just two things that I teach. But I, you know what? I want to go back to the email template thing really quick. Yeah. One other thing I should have mentioned is some Outlook trainers will teach you to use signatures as your email template. Okay. Uh, That is not a signature. I mean, that's not how you use the signature feature and it's not an email template. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a signature. And the problem with that doing it that way is that you, you can't pre-attach PDFs or Word documents or an Excel file if you need to do that. So there is a reason why Microsoft designed the software to capture and do email templates the way it's designed. It's just that a lot of people don't know how to do that. And so they found other ways to make it happen, but it's still not the best solution. Um, So anyway, enough on that, enough on the email templates, enough on the mark my comments with And so one of the talks that I do is like my 10 Microsoft Outlook productivity hacks. I'm not teaching people necessarily how to use Outlook in general, but I'm teaching them like, here are my best things that are going to save you so much time and keep you from missing follow-up on things Mm -hmm. and getting things done in a timely fashion. Oh, that is so good because I have done the uh, search for the he sent email to look for the template. I have done the Word doc copy paste. Um, That one was okay for me because I did save it in a place I could find it, but I like yours way better for sure. And I did notice in your emails back to me that uh, how it just put in eliminate chaos as the comment back to me. And I thought, okay, she's using some kind of system there because it clearly came in all three times you know, as uh, Loreliced Eliminate Chaos. So that is just fascinating. And they could be game changers. Uh, they usually are for, for people. I think, you know, I can do this training. I can do it virtually. I can do it in person. I can do it one-on-one with clients. I mean, but that is by far the probably the most requested um, talk that, that I give, um, like training, I would say. I do mm-hmm. consider it to be a training, so. Yeah, do you, do you have hacks for Gmail as well or primarily just Outlook? <laughs> no, I do not do <laughs> Gmail. I am the, they, you know, in my, my industry, they, they coined me the Outlook queen. Ah. Um, there's, a, there's a reason for that, I believe. Like if you're good at something, you should stick with it. And Absolutely. You know, you you know all the features. And, you know, I know that I have people on my training sometimes that are do use Gmail, but you can also pull Gmail into Outlook if you want and use these same features. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to do that, then, yes, there is sometimes some translation of some of the things that I talk about, but I'm not necessarily going to know how to do that because 
I'm not a Gmail expert. Yeah, makes sense. Laura, did you just go in and find this all yourself or did you get training to learn all these nuances of Outlook? Because I think most of us, when we get a program, usually a Microsoft product, we somehow have some knowledge. Maybe someone has taught us some things along the way and then we never get beyond that basic knowledge like you have. Did you go in there and like figure it out all yourself or did you have someone teach you? No, I figured it out on my own. And this dates back to, gosh, this will really date me, to the 90s when I was working in corporate America. And I was working at a software company. I was a project manager. And I got tired of how people were using Outlook. Mm. And I went to the CEO and I said, we need to do a training. And, and I put in my proposal as to how I thought this outlook training should be run and so you know i did the training i'm 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 used i've been used to speaking from for my work and training on different software i've had developed over the years and so that was really the first time that i had trained on outlook and so it was just sort of something that i worked up and then um, i i got hired by some of the community colleges to also teach outlook and then at one of my first Maple conferences back in the early 2000s, after I'd started my business, they knew that I did Outlook and they asked if I would teach it as a, a pre-conference class, if you will, like a half a day training. And so again, you know, having to go in and think about, you know, how would this industry use use the tool mm-hmm. and uh so anyway the first year i just the, the association bought a book and i had to train from that which i didn't like <laughs> and then the next year they wouldn't give me a book so i had to write a handout that handout was about 60 pages it took a long <laughs> time and so it was kind of a book and after that i i had people from the conference saying oh, i heard you taught this class it was really good can i get a copy of that handout And so then I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to turn that into a book because people were willing to pay for it. And so about 10, so now I have about 10 versions of Outlook by just having self-taught myself how to do this, but also figuring out like, what do business people need in Mm -hmm. order to be really productive with um, that tool? And so it's it's all self-taught. It's all my own training that I've done. Wow, what a gift. Um, I, I should say what a lot of work that you put into that to culminate all those tips and tricks and to figure out what do business people need to be more successful and then to offer that to the world. Wow, that is so cool. You also are an expert at OneNote. Now, that's something I've never used. But I just left a client a few minutes ago who's um, trying to wrap all the documents that her office is working in in OneNote. Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh my gosh, I love OneNote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so OneNote essentially is a digital notebook. And if you think back to maybe when we were in school, we had a three ring binder with yep. dividers, and then yep. in the dividers, you had sheets of paper. Well, that's essentially what a OneNote notebook is. Only you can you have a notebook and you give it a name and then you have your sections, that's your dividers. 
And then within those dividers, you have all these pages. But the other cool thing is you can have subpages and then subpages of the subpages. And here's why I love OneNote so much is that, so I wrote another book on OneNote called OneNote Data at Your Fingertips Anytime, Anywhere, and From Any Place. And that's really true because right now I have about 10 notebooks that I use on a fairly regular basis. And four of those notebooks are shared out with my teams. So for example, I have a team of productivity specialists and then I have a team of residential organizing specialists. And in each one of those notebooks, there's all sorts of reference information information that they might need to look up and access when they're working with their client, information that they might want to send to a client. And that no, those notebooks are all shared out with every team member. And then that information is not only on their computer, but it's also on the, the app on their iPhone. So if they're out with the client, they can quickly search that notebook to find the information that they're looking for. So it's all in one place, you know, at their fingertips, anywhere they, they happen to be. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the thing about OneNote that a lot of people don't, maybe why they don't use it is that Evernote, which is also a digital mm -hmm. notebook, yep. has a huge following a lot of brand recognition, but people don't realize usually that they already have OneNote and it's free with your <laughs> office pro, you know, office suite, um, 365 subscription, whatever you have. And, and then I think the other challenge that people have when I'm training is that there's no right or wrong reason how to set up these notebooks. It's about coming up with some consistent way to store your information so that it's not only a repository for this data that you want, but it's also a way for you to recall or find the information. And thankfully it's got a great, you know, it's got a great search engine oh, on good. it. Okay. So, you know, if, if, if I had just taken all of this data that I put into OneNote for my teams and I put it in individual Word documents and out in the cloud, there's no way they could search on keywords and pull information up at their fingertips that quickly like they can if I put it in OneNote. So we are very clear in our office what kinds of data lives in the cloud on the server and then what kinds of information is more like reference information that would live in in OneNote. Yeah, this sounds way better than what most people say, like, let's throw it in Google Drive, right? And then I go into my Google Drive and it's like, where do I find it in there? It's just hard to put it into folders and things. But for you saying that it's easily searchable, I mean, that's enough to make me go, all right, got to try it. Just for the search function alone, let alone being able to access it from anywhere. Well, I, I agree. And the other thing besides searching, you can also tag information. So mm. let's say, for example, because I do a lot of speaking, I might attend a conference and I might hear 
a quote or a statistic about something I might want to use and attribute that back to that presenter later on. So when I take those notes, what I do is I I might use a light bulb as my tag for an idea, or I might use <laughs> the little thing that looks like you're being quoted as my little tag for a statistic or, um, you know, like a, a quote or something that I want to remember. And then what I can do, I can go into my OneNote and I can search on that light bulb. I can search on that little quote and I can pull up all those tags. I can search one notebook only, or I could search all 10 notebooks for any of those ideas and instantly pull up all that information that I need when I'm preparing for my next talk. And so that's really powerful. And then also in OneNote, you can store links, photos, PDFs, Word documents, pictures, Excel files, recordings, so video, audio. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. So like even with Influence, Paul, like National Speakers Association Conference, I have a conference notebook. And every year when I go to a conference, I have sections in my notebook. So I have a section for NSA and I have a section for NAPO and I have a section <laughs> for ICD and all these different conferences I go to. And then every year when I attend that conference, I start a page that says, you know, 2022 dash, whatever the location was. And it's just a blank page. And then underneath that, I have, I have a page for every single talk I attended with my notes and then the next year rolls around, I come in, I put 2023 dash wherever the conference is going to be. And then there's all my pages. So guess what? Like all my conference notes stay in one place where I can always go back and look at that. But when I go, go into people's offices, a lot of times, <laughs> what do I find? I find pads of paper and binders, binders scraps and of paper random handouts <laughs> and when you could have all this stuff literally stored like you could take a picture of it you could scan it into your OneNote, and you don't have any of that paper so good so good what would you say to a person that pushes back and says i i have to put pen to paper what would you say to them well I think for many people, they have to figure out what their learning style is and and what their modality is, how they learn best, how they mm -hmm. process, how they think. And and I get it. I mean, I still use a lot of paper and, and write notes to myself. Um, I use a hybrid approach on some things, but you know, I may I may take handwritten notes in a meeting and put pen to paper because maybe it doesn't make sense for me to sit there with my laptop, mm -hmm. but I can take a picture of that and load it right into my one. Uh -huh. so I, I could have <laughs> it if, if I want that. And then let's say, let's say that you get a handout at, at a conference and you mm -hmm. want to put pen to paper. That's fine. Put all of that on the paper, hand write on it. And then maybe if you wanted to store it, you just, you, you can scan it from your phone using a scanning app, turn it into a PDF, import that PDF into OneNote, and then you can let go of the paper. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of that is going to be, what is your preference for how you're going to want to access that information? And as I, as I mentioned, like be able to retrieve it so you can 
use it again. It's really all about creating a system that works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, because I do hear those folks that say, you know, it's just the, it's my brain recalls it better if I literally am writing those things down. But like you said, you still turn it into this great system where it's all captured in one place where you can easily access it. I've also seen these other tools that have these, uh, uh, a stylus, you know, you can write with a stylus on a tablet, same kind of deal, right? Because you could just store those or save those as a PDF and put it into OneNote, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying don't, don't, you know, do everything digitally. That is never going to be the answer for everyone, but you have to decide what, what your own best way of, of learning is. And, and if you need to take those, notes by the time that you're handwriting, you know, because you're handwriting, then that that's fine. You can make the determination after that, if that's what's best for your memory to help you learn it. And then you can decide how you want to store that information later. Yeah. So good. Well, let us pause right here for a break. Uh, you are listening to the grow forward today podcast on the voice America business channel. You can contact me on my Instagram at Growing Forward Services and my guest, Laura Leist, on her Instagram at Laura Leist Speaker. That's L-E-I-S-T. We're going to be back after the break, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about how Laura helps people get more priorities done as a productivity coach and a little bit more of even your own spaces at home and how you can set those up for peace of mind and productivity. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye. Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back to the Grow Forward Today podcast. I'm with Laura Leist, who has been doing a fantastic job already, giving us some some hacks in Outlook and OneNote that make us that can make us more productive if we choose to utilize some of the systems that she has become an expert on. 
And I want to know more. And I know you're all leaning forward as well as you listen to this podcast. So as a productivity coach, Laura, uh, that's helping people get more priorities done, where do you start with clients? How do you help them get to first base? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing that I typically have most of my clients do is start with an assessment. And this is an assessment that was actually created by another productivity coach using her her book, and it's called um, Productivity Chain. And I really love the book and the assessment because it really helps not only myself, but my clients to understand where they have weaker links on the chain that affect their productivity. And a lot of times, I think people don't understand why certain links on the chain will even affect the productivity levels that they have. But once they see the results, they begin to understand kind of why this might be. So I'll give you an example. I have a lot of clients that have ADHD or ADD Mm -hmm. and oftentimes they have a very hard time making a decision about something. And decision-making is one of the 12 links on the productivity chain. So if you have someone that is scored low on a decision-making link, that it's, it's hard for them to make decisions, that may be impacting their ability to set goals. They might not even know what a goal is. They might not know how to sequence and plan a project. They might not know how to make the decisions to put tasks in a certain order. Um, They may struggle with even trying to decide how to put together the structure of the data for their OneNote notebook or decide like, how do I want to how do I want to file my email in my inbox? And so the by starting with this productivity chain assessment, what it really allows me to do is kind of figure out where are, are some of these areas that I can work with my client on? And hopefully, you know, we're co-creating that relationship and partnering on an overall big goal for like, where do they want to get to? But inevitably, you know, the details kind of come up as well, which, you know, there's a big difference, you know, this Paul between coaching and consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes my clients come in with these really big goals of, you know, I, I need to figure out like how to get my business together, cleaned up, because I'm looking at the next few years of my life and how I'm going to sell my business. Well, they might be wondering why they're not getting stuff done. And then they take this assessment and then they quickly realize that they've never set any goals for their business. Mm. They don't know how to do any kind of project planning. They're decision-making link is really weak. And there's so many more links um, as well on the chain. 
And so the, the challenge then becomes to figure out where are we going to focus as part of the coaching to help sort of strengthen these links. Because like when I was working with a client this morning, she said to me, you know, now that I know more about these links and how it works, I see how I've improved myself in one area and it truly does affect all of these other links. And she just said, you know, I'm so glad that you introduced me to this, you know, this methodology, this, this process. And um, so that's kind of where I start with my clients because then I have a baseline. Um, and it's interesting because some of my clients, before they even take the assessment, I might be able to kind of gauge like what links I think might be a little weaker than others. And it's always interesting for me to read the results and see if what I was kind of hearing from them talk about if that's really what is keeping them from obtaining this, this goal, this place that they want to be in their life personally or professionally. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a couple of trends of across many different types of clients of the link in the chain that is the one that's, uh, we got to go after that one because that's a biggie. It affects all the other links in the chain. You mean like what's the weakest link? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused awesome. with. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things, you know, that we don't always want to coach towards is you know, what is the weakest link and just focus on that. Sometimes, and, and there are coaches that sort of do focus on the area that needs the most improvement, right? Mm-hmm. But you can take other areas that maybe are not as weak or, or at 100%. And if you can strengthen those, you know, 1%, 2%, that's going to help everything, including, you know, the weak, the the link that may be the weakest link. It's kind of a tongue twister. Uh, so I don't know. Do I don't that make that makes sense? That makes like, sense. Like if you have a, a hip injury, you're not your, your therapist is probably not going to just work the hip. They're going to work the thigh and the your core around it, right? Because they're all linked together. Exactly. That makes sense. I was just trying to ferret for like, okay, here's one that a lot of people have a problem with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like which one is the, the yeah, link that right. most people have a problem with? Yeah. Gosh, uh, definitely decision making. Mm. I would have to say that's always been a real challenge for a lot of people. Um, another area I would have to say a lot of people are usually weak on is boundary setting. Yes. Which is a big part of it. Um, Goal setting and prioritization. Um, Task and project management. You know, a lot of people just aren't taught these skills. Like I was, I was working with a client the other day and, and she's both a consulting client that I've worked with for years, but now I'm also working with her as, as a coach as well. And, you know, she was telling me, you know, we're not taught this in school. Mm-hmm. We're not taught how to, like what I said to her one day, you've got to plan backwards. 
you know, you got to start with the end goal in mind, the end date of when something's due, and then you got to plan backwards and figure mm-hmm. out how do you plan out all the tasks and have a project plan. And then she heard someone in her office say the same thing to her. Well, you just have to plan backwards. And she's working on this huge project right now. And, and she says, how do you plan backwards? And a big part of this is what she's uncovering is that nobody taught her project management, task management. And so a lot of times what happens for people at work or in their personal lives, they they do things that's on their list, right? List of to-dos, yep. but they're not necessarily doing the most important things to keep that project moving forward to get them to that end goal instead what they're doing is they're doing all the quick little simple easy stuff to scratch a bunch of stuff off the list (laughs) because we get that dopamine rush (laughs) exactly exactly so i mean we went as far as as to have very short to-do lists for this client then she took it another step and divided her to-dos into four buckets and literally had custom notepads made for her <laughs> where there's only 10 lines on each page because I told her that her list every day is too long and it's unrealistic. And then at the end of the day, she feels deflated or overwhelmed because she hardly got anything done on your list. And I said, well, your list is too long. I said, so don't beat yourself up. You're just putting too much on the list. You need to put on your list for that day what is most important that you know that you can realistically accomplish. And then if you can get more stuff done, great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, instead, why don't you make yourself feel great by accomplishing what's on your list for the day and going, wow, look at that. I got to check all those boxes today because some people really want to check a box on a list they really want to (laughs) scratch something off those you know those that like the paper they sometimes they'll write something on the paper just so they can scratch it off yes (laughs) so (laughs) a group hug a virtual group (laughs) hug for everyone out there that does that (laughs) yes so so by keeping that list shorter um or again devising a solution that works for you for project management, task management, to-do lists, then, you know, again, it might not be a one-size-fits-all, but those are some of the areas where I I see people being really impacted. I love that idea of the custom notebook. Uh, I might steal that idea because there is the big list that we just throw everything on there, and it could even be like get oil changes on the same list as, you know, uh, follow up with three clients, and it's just this big, massive task that is discouraging to look like. Like you're climbing a mountain, at your, you're at the foot of the mountain looking up at it going, oh, I'm exhausted before I even start. But if there was a, a notebook that was just my top priority notebook, and there were only tasks on that and just a few um, that were attainable, I would keep focused on my number one thing and not squirrel onto the the huge list where I'm just cherry picking the easy, convenient, or fun things just so I could cross stuff off. I love that. Right. There was was this saying that I saw once, and it's so funny, and I can never remember what it says, but I'm going to bring it up here and share it with you. Because for some of my clients that have a really difficult time making a decision, I I share with them this 
this comment um, since we kind of brought it up and we were talking about like the decision, the, the decision making mm -hmm. link. Let me see if I can grab it here and I'll share it with you. Um, it talks about, it's about a, a flat squirrel, but I know that I'll get it wrong if I just try and tell you what it is without like actually reading it. So, so here it is. It says, be decisive, right or wrong, make a decision. The road of life is paved with flat squirrels who couldn't make a decision. <laughs> so... So I have um, I have one client that I well I have many clients that I work with that their decision making link is really low, and they'll say to me, you know, when I work with you, this is so easy. You make it so easy, and and of course it's because it's well it's not my stuff, and and I can make decisions very easily, and I can help them, and I I understand their systems because I've created them for them, and so I've started sharing this little saying with them and in fact one of my the client that I was just telling you about that I coach and consult with I showed this to her one day and she said oh my gosh I have to laminate that and put it up in my office <laughs> because I'm realizing that my inability to make a decision on certain things is holding me back mm. but these are the things that people don't really understand about themselves until we've done this assessment and they've taken a good, honest, long look at, at the results. And, it, and it's just, it's fascinating. Absolutely. And you mentioned something about boundary setting as well. How does boundary setting play into productivity? Well, I, that, that's a really good, that's a really good um, question. So, I mean, you think about like, you know, in your own life, um, you might have a boundary of, I'm not going to take work calls after 530. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to work on the weekends. Um, I'm not going to work with this type of client. And then the minute you don't adhere to that boundary that you've set and you decide, okay, well, this one time it won't hurt me to work on a weekend or it won't hurt me to take on this client or take this call after 5.30. When you're crossing those boundaries, now you are sacrificing something else. You're probably sacrificing your free time, your personal time. Um, you know, as you and I talked about today, I kind of have a boundary around Fridays. I typically don't work on Fridays. I reserve that day for other things, or at least I try for personal reasons, because I like to go to our property in Eastern Washington. And thank you, I, Laura. <laughs> thank you. And so if I break my own boundary of doing things and I get like, sometimes things, things, you know, they, you have to sometimes, you know, you can break sure. the boundary. It's okay. Sure, you, sure. you know, as I say, rules are meant to be broken. You, you can decide you, you can make the decision and I made that decision today because I'm not going to Eastern Washington. So it's fine. But when we have these boundaries that we set and then we don't keep them and, and we've allowed something else to come into our life, it probably means that now we've sacrificed something else. We've sacrificed time when we're, we're supposed to be doing something else. And now mm -hmm. we're doing, we're spending our time on something different. And so yes. 
that can be a big boundary. Or let's say that you take on a client that you've, you've thought, you know what, I don't think this is a good fit, but then you, you just, you justify it for some reason. And you say, yeah. oh, well, you know, I, I, I think I can make this work. I, I can do this. And then you break that boundary and then you wind up spending even more time than what you would have, because then there's challenges or issues or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then you go back and you look at your boundary and you think, well, if I had held that boundary with myself, then, um, you know, I wouldn't be in this situation. So like, for example, I have a lot of real estate agents that I work with mm-hmm. and we know how crazy their lives are. And, and a lot of their clients expect that they are on call like 24 seven, right? It's just trying to get an offer, yep. or check up on something. And, you know, I've had to talk to my clients about what kind of boundaries can you set? Like, when can you put me time on your calendar where you just say, you know, for this one hour, this two hours, like I am just going to have this uninterrupted time where I'm going to focus on this. And then when I'm done, you know, I'll return calls. And then how do you explain that to a client and make it part of like your working relationship with them or set an, an, uh, an out of office note on your outlook or put a message on your phone every day to say like when you're available, you know, there's different things that you can do around protecting your your time, even when you work in a crazy world of, you know, real estate where people expect you to be available 24 seven, everyone needs that their, their personal time still. But I see a lot of people breaking those boundaries with themselves. Yes. Yeah. So true. So true. Laura, I'm just fascinated about the concept of intentionally setting up your workspace or your home space to enhance your productivity. We don't have a lot of time left, but can you give some tips on what you offer to clients in order, I don't, is, it, is it peace of mind you're creating with the space or tell us more? Well, I do think it's a little bit of peace of mind. Um, you know, when people are working in a very cluttered environment, it can be very distracting. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in my own office, I have a large desk that I work off of, which has very little on it, usually just the current few things that I'm working on. And then I have another table behind me where I have all my kind of my ongoing things laid out. And someone might look at that and go, but you're the productivity organizer person. (laughs) You have paper all over the top of this desk. (laughs) Well, guess what? That's my system and that Mm -hmm. works for me and I'm going to stick to it. Now, if you look down underneath my desk, you'll find something that I have called the Daily Action Center that I also create for people where you can file away a lot of stuff, but easily have it at your at your fingertips. And so when I'm working with the client, I'm trying to figure out like what are the things that they need access to on a regular basis so that those are close at hand. Um, but not in a cluttered way. And what are the things that you maybe don't need your hands on as office or as as often, whether it's office supplies or files Mm -hmm. that you're working with and, and how do we design that and make that work for you? So typically in that scenario, we're looking at a few things. We're looking at how is your office set up in terms of furniture, monitors, um, appropriate amount of horizontal workspace, 
And then what does your paper management system look like? What does your digital filing system look like? Mm -hmm. And then what is the stuff organization? Like how do we deal with the stuff? So in one of my books called um, Eliminate the Chaos at Work, 25 Techniques to Increase Your Productivity, we basically broke the book down into the five areas of, well, it's actually four in the book, but there's really five. So you have stuff management, paper management, information management, the physical like furniture and layout of your office. So those are the four primary areas of the book. And then the fifth one was time management. Um, So whenever someone comes to me and they say, you know, I really need you to help me get my office organized. I don't know what that means. Is it Mm -hmm. stuff? Is it paper? Is it information? (laughs) Is it the layout of your office? So that's where we start. And then it might be one or two of those areas, or it might be all of the above. So when you talk about layout, are there some general principles, um, whether that's your office or maybe even your home in general? Yeah, I think that every space is really unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the individual, I, I do think it's nice that people have a a designated work area, although unfortunately COVID has changed that for a lot yeah. of people because, you know, you and I are lucky. We have home offices. Mm-hmm. I have worked in a home office for 25 years. And even back in my corporate days, I did a little bit of work from home. So I'm used to having a home office for me during the pandemic. Nothing changed. Right. Now all of a sudden you have workers that are coming home and having to use their dining room table or a couch or the bed to not set up to work at home. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, that is a really difficult thing to do. Um, and so, you know, on, on a lot of those, I just kind of have to take it case by case and figure out like what kind of work are they doing and what sort of things do they need close at hand? And, you know, how can we turn this space into something else during the workday and turn it back at the end of the day? We could talk about that for a long time, but I know you don't have time to <laughs> get into that. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I, I would assume it is customized to the, even the personality of the client, the type of work that they do and, uh, what they're what they're seeking for as an outcome. So yeah, ma- makes sense. I was just wondering if there was a like it's got to be an open concept or some kind no. of. No, <laughs> not a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Laura, last two questions for you. What do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development, and how could a listener best contact you if they wanted to follow up? Well, I think right now the easiest way to contact me is you can just email me directly, Laura, L-E-U-R-A, at EliminateChaos.com. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn at Laura Leist. My Instagram is Laura Leist Speaker. You can go to our website, Eliminate Chaos. There's a little bit of what I talked about today on there, however, my new website, which is lauralice.com, is in the works right now, so you're not going to find it out there. <laughs> I'm taking two of my old sites, and I'm combining them into one. Nice. Um, so that will be launching in 2023. And um, as far as, um, you know, anything else, I would just say, you know, I'm always open to having a 
a quick phone conversation with people if they want to learn more about how, you know, we can work together, how I can help them with their personal productivity, whether that's in the workplace, at home, or both. Plug your books one more time too, Laura. Oh, sure. So um, there's a number of books. One is called Eliminate the Chaos at Work, 25 Techniques to Increase Productivity. Find it on Amazon. Uh, my Outlook books, you'll also be able to find on Amazon or Book Baby. Same thing with OneNote. Um, the OneNote is OneNote um, information at your fingertips anytime, anywhere, and from any device. And Outlook, just put in my name and Outlook into Amazon and you'll find that. And then I do have a book called Eliminate Chaos, the 10-step process to organize your home and life, which you can also, um, I actually own most of those copies now. If you're interested, you can contact me for that or maybe find one on Amazon. That book, however, is geared more towards getting your home organized and not your work life. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Laura. You just uh, gave so much value to us all today. I appreciate your time, even on your day off. Thank you for making the exception today. <laughs> and keep growing forward. Great. Thanks, Paul. So I have some takeaways from Laura today. I mean, in addition to the wonderful quick tips on Outlook and OneNote, uh, I do like the Flack Squirrels quote, make a decision one way or the other because the road is filled with flat squirrels and we don't want to be with that. Uh, I also like the little boundaries uh, side uh, rabbit trail that we took when we say, but this one time and we justify it and break our own boundaries, we are actually sacrificing something vital. And then uh, having our own daily action center in our offices and our homes that we access on a regular basis, but it's not a, cutter pl a cluttered place, but it's something we've got quick access to because it's something we use all the time. The GFT podcast is all about putting the practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something, but you don't put it into action within 72 hours, those valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they may even lose their value to your life. Hey, and if you've got an event live or virtual for your team or organization that needs an inspirational speaker to give practical tools for raising the water level of your entire team, I would be honored to be considered. Let's start a conversation. I'm at growingforward at paulcasey.org. Thank you for listening to episode 45. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel. 